We don't live in fear. We aren't afraid. He can take a big swing, but it is well with my soul. Hallelujah. Hey, I want to talk for a moment before I preach to those who who don't know Jesus or those who are away from God. As we sang that song, It Is Well With My Soul, you probably felt, wow, that's beautiful. I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, that song is not true for you. It's not well with your soul. You don't have peace that surpasses all understanding and your peace can be taken from you. But God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross shed his blood to pay the price for your sin, your shame, the stuff you've done wrong so that you can have a relationship with God, so that you can receive that peace that surpasses all understanding so that you can have and so that you can have the faith to declare that no matter what's going on around me there are storms and sorrows and sea billows rolling but it is well with my soul I'm gonna be okay I am called I am loved by God I am kept safe in his arms it is well with my soul and today I want to invite you to give him your life so that you can, with the rest of us, declare it's well. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want to pray it one line at a time, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me one line at a time, because Scripture says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So I want to give you an opportunity to make yourself right with God today. And I, I know you might be a little concerned that, well, I'm not good enough or I can't be good enough or I don't even know how to be good enough or whatever else. I want to tell you, look at Eternity Church. We preach the whole word of God and what we know as we read the word is that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. There are no perfect people in this church. Perfect people are welcome. None have come yet. And you're welcome too, all right? You're not perfect. Uh, You're welcome as you are just as you are. But I want to tell you the great thing about God is he loves you so much. He doesn't want to leave you as you are. Just like your kids when they misbehave and they they do just the most ridiculously stupid things that you can imagine. You love them anyway, just as they are. But you you, you love them so much that you don't want to leave them like that. You're going to be like, I'm going to help you live a better life than that, right? And, and God's the same. He loves you so much. He don't want to leave you as you are. He wants to help you become all that you were designed to be, all that he calls you to be, amen? And, and so I want to invite you today to start living your life for him, to start the journey where your life is transformed slowly but surely by the power and the presence and the word of God. And so right now, though, to start that journey, I want you to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and pray this prayer with me. Everyone's going to pray it together on stage, <clears throat> down the back, online, all across the room. You will not be alone. We're all going to pray it together so that you can pray it with us. So everyone in the room, let's pray. And especially those away from God, would you repeat after me? Give your life to Christ by praying with me and believing it in your heart as you do. Dear God, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on a cross for my sin and He rose again to give me life, hope, joy, peace and eternal life I receive all of that I receive this new life with you as my Lord and Savior and I receive your forgiveness for my sins all the things I've done wrong and I ask for your help 
to leave it all in the past, to change my life and help me become all that you've called me to do and all you've called me to be. I give you my life and I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. 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 Come on. God is good. Hallelujah. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or for the first time in a long time, I want you to do two things for me today, real simple, all right? Number one, I want you to text the word SAVED to the number 515-335-0335, or you can hold your phone up, excuse me, <coughs> you can hold your phone up and scan that barcode there. Why? A couple of reasons. We want to send you a Bible in the mail. You're a Christian now. You need to read the word of God, all right? Right now, right now, you're a believer. Right now, you're a Christian, all right? So you need to read the word of God because the devil's going to come up to you like he came up to Eve and he's going to say, did God really say? And he's going to try and confuse you and trick you. But when you know the word of God, you can say, get behind me, Satan. I know what God said. Amen. So you need a Bible, all right? The other thing is that's another avenue where you can uh, connect with uh, some of our staff, ask for help, get some resource, whatever you need. We're here for you, okay? So please text that, start that journey with us today. The, the next thing I want you to do is just to lift up your hand when I count to three. So if everyone on stage, in the room, everywhere, online, everywhere, just close your eyes. And online, why? Well, there's someone in the room with you and I want them to have privacy too. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to take a faith step and on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. Why? Well, I want you to do something. I want you to invest in this. I want you to lift up your hand and say, yeah, I want that guy to pray for me and I want to live this life. God, I'm lifting up my hand. It's almost like an act of surrender to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life for you now. So on the count of three, I want to know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to tell everyone what you're wearing, who you came with or where you're standing, but I want to know who I'm praying for in this room. So on the count of three, Lift up your hand if that's you. One, two, three, shoot it up right now. Hold it up for a moment so I can see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on, let's pray for them. You can put your hands down if you want, but we're going to pray for you now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love, love, love every one of us, God, but that you love these seven people so much that you orchestrated the events of their life that they would be here today to hear this word. But God, that you gave them free will and they still got to choose. Will I or will I not respond to the gospel? Will I or will I not choose to live my life pursuing all that God has called me to? God, I thank you that today they said yes to you. That today, according to your word, they are a new creation. They're not the sum of their past mistakes. They're not the sum of their past choices. They're a new creation. The old is gone. It is dead. It is buried. And they are new, living a new life. And so I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would flood their hearts with hope, with joy, and with a strength to say yes every time you call, that they could say yes every time you challenge them, that they could say yes. Lord, I pray that you help them to become all that you designed and created them to be. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I gotta, I gotta read the word to you before you take your seats. But man, God's good. Y'all glad you came to church already? Let's see if I can change that. All right. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> it's so good to be in God's house. It's so good. All right, Genesis chapter five. By the way, if you're new, my name's Jesse. 
Welcome to church. Uh, so glad that you're here with us today. And um, we're in a sermon series called uh, Walking Through Genesis. And, um, and it's important as we do that, that we pay attention to all of it. Um, and, uh, and in the, the first five chapters of Genesis have just very information, 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 information. And, um, and me, typically, I'm more of a that's, a, that's a great story, and I want to find the truths in the great stories of the Word of God, and I, and I, I usually preach like that, but, um, but we want to honor the whole Word, and so I didn't want to skip all the information in the first five chapters, all right? And so this has been fun, um, but today is another information, but we're getting three great points out of Genesis chapter 5. So, you ready for it? Yeah. All right. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and he named them man when he created them. And when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness. Now that's interesting, isn't it? That God created mankind in, in God's likeness, but then after the fall, mankind created some sons in their likeness. Hmm. We'll get to that maybe later if we have time. If not, another day. Um, after, anyway, the days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. Um, thus, all the days of Adam that uh, were 930 years, and, and he died. <clears throat> then Seth uh, fathered Enosh when he was 105. Uh, and, then, uh, and, then, and all the days of Seth, verse 8, uh, were 912 years, and, and he died. And then Enosh, when he was 90, he had Kenan, uh, verse 11. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. And when Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahaliel. Then, um, and, and, then, and then all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahaliel was, had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Haley had kids young, didn't he? That dude was only 65 when he had his first son. Come on now. Yeah, young man. Verse 17, thus all the days that Mihaly lived were 895 years and he died. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he too had kids young, and he fathered Methuselah. Uh, and then Enoch walked with God, and after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he... No, he didn't. He just was not. For God took him. Then when Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. And then, thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, but he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son, called his name Noah. Um, and, uh, and he called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord had cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah, nine, sorry, 590 Five years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And after Noah was 500 years, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, You're gonna die. <laughs> turn to your other neighbor and say, After you. <laughs> all right, shall we pray? 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. It's wonderful and it's powerful. And we're so fortunate to live in a country where we can read it uncensored. No government agency had to go through it and determine what's okay, what's too dangerous, what fills people with too much hope or too much freedom or too much this or too much that. But that, Lord God, that your book, your word, that we have the privilege to be able to hold it in our hands, to study it, to let the water of the word wash over our souls, as Scripture says. God, we thank you. We don't take it lightly. But God, in a place where Bibles are everywhere, even in the hotels, God, help us to not take it for granted, but to use it, to read it, to study it, to let it wash over us, to let it sharpen us and help us to become all that you designed us to be. So God, I just want to say thanks for the privilege of being able to preach. Right now, I don't want to lean into personality, opinion, desire. But I want to lean into the anointing, the calling, and your purpose and your power. So we commit this time to you and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor again and say, you're going to die and take a seat. Super encouraging right at the start. Right at the start of the word, I just wanted to make sure that everybody felt encouraged by the person sitting next to them and, uh, and that you know that as surely as you were born, the day is coming that you will not be here anymore. But before I talk more about that, I want to talk to you about the rhythms of life. You remember in Genesis chapter 2 a few weeks back, I preached a sermon on the rhythms of life and how the rhythms of life begun to unfold in Genesis chapter 2. And we see the patterns that God intended us to live in. And in those rhythms, family was one of those. And, uh, and God begins to show us how family and life is supposed to be. And that's in, uh, we see it begin to unfold, I guess it's created in uh, chapter 1. Um, we are created in Genesis chapter 2. We see that family rhythms, uh, dynamics, family, work, rest, play, relationship with God, all of that. Um, and then God just hammers it home on repeat, right? He's like family, 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 family. And, and interestingly enough, another thing that he just seems to hammer on repeat is male, female, male, female, male, female, male, female, family, male, female, family, male, female, family. And he just repeats that. And here again in Genesis chapter 5, God repeats himself. When God created our man, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female, he created them. And, and as I looked at that, I was like, oh, it, it's there again. <laughs> you know, it's just more of this uh, male, female, family stuff. It's there again. And I was going to skip it and just roll with Enoch, you know, Enoch, the guy who didn't die. <clears throat> and he died and he died and he died and he died and he was not. And he died and he died. And so I'm like, well, that's unique. Let's roll with Enoch and talk about that a little bit today because I figured, you know, we've talked about family. We haven't actually talked about male and female specifically in Genesis, but we've read that. Um, and I did preach on that recently and I thought, well, I don't want to flog a dead horse, right? You know what I mean? Like, don't want to flog a dead horse. You know what I'm saying? Anyone know what I'm saying? You say that in America, don't you? You know, flog a dead horse. You probably say the words probably flog a dead horse. You know, that's, you say that? No, you don't? All right. Well, I didn't want to flog a dead horse. I didn't want to just keep going on. But the problem is I used to preach like that. I used to ignore things. I used to skip over hard stuff. And I made a commitment to God that if I'm using a passage and that if it's relevant to the text, that if it's relevant to the word, I'm going to say it. All right? 
I'm not going to skip the hard stuff anymore. In fact, that's the reason I never wanted to do a walk through Genesis because you can't walk through Genesis without having to hit difficult topics. And I'm not just talking about sexuality. I'm talking about love of money, greed, God, disciplining people, all this other stuff. I didn't want to have to deal with that stuff because I love it when you get to come to church and the pastor gets up and doesn't say you're going to die, but instead he says you're going to live and it's going to be blessed and it's going to be amazing and God loves you so much. I like that. It's nice, right? So I didn't want to do sermon series like this, but I made a commitment to God that I will not skip hard stuff, that if we're going to walk through Genesis, we're going to repeat what God repeats and we're going to emphasize what God emphasizes and we're going to emphasize and put the right emphasis on the right syllables that God does, right? That we're going to do that today. So, But first, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I want to talk to you for a moment about, uh, about a concept that, that, that's been around for a long time. Um, has anyone ever watched TV or a TV show, and then when a Christian comes on the screen, you know they're the bad guy? Yeah. Know what I'm talking about? Right? Um, like, it doesn't matter what it is. Maybe it's, it's, it might be a rape. It might be a murder. It might be theft. It might be uh, abuse of power. It might be um, money laundering. It, whatever it is, you know. If, if there's a Christian on the screen, all of a sudden, the moment you see them in the TV show or in the movie, you're like, that's the bad guy right there, right? You know it. Why? Because that's what they do. Every time that they, they put a bad guy on the screen in script, uh, sorry, in TV, he's the bad guy, right? So you're watching Law and Order SVU. There's a pastor. You're like, bad guy, right? You know it immediately, right? We, Lauren and I were watching Bull the other day. Anyone watch Bull? Right? We were watching Bull the other day. And, and in Bull, it's about, it's kind of like psychology and science. And I love psychology and science. So, <clears throat> so I, I'm really enjoying the show. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> So anyway, and, and they have to pick the right jury, a jury that they think will be sympathetic to their causes. Anyway, they've got this jury and there's a guy on there. They put him on there intentionally because they needed rule followers, people that care about what's right and what's wrong, black and white. This is right, that's wrong. And there was a Christian, so they put him on there for that reason. The moment they put a Christian on there for that reason, I turned to my wife, I said, Lauren, count down in 10 minutes, that guy's the bad guy and he's for sure doing something wrong. Well, sure enough, 12 minutes and 37 and a half seconds later, we find out this guy had got some BDSM kind of crazy garbage going on in his basement and he's a part of all these sordid clubs all around town. And immediately you just know that when they put a Christian on the screen like that, they're a bad guy. Have you noticed this? Is it just me that's noticed this, right? It's always the Christian. Why? What are they doing? They're jamming, all right? It's called cultural jamming, right? That's where you get something that's previously acceptable. You tie it to something that's completely unacceptable. Now, when you think of this, you think of that. So every time you watch a TV show and you see a Christian in it, you leave thinking about how Christians are all hypocrites, Christians abuse power, Christians are all into devious stuff, pastors are all actually secretly homosexual, and all this other gear, right? And so they've jammed us not to trust Christians or pastors or ministers or anything else. So recently I saw a video on this and then I started researching about it and jamming is a concept that was named at least in the 1980s. Now it's a very intentional idea, it's not some conspiracy theory, it's just right there and you can read up about it and, and the idea is that you get people to associate one thing with another thing and thereby people to feel uncomfortable with something that they were previously comfortable with. So if I'm comfortable with this idea here, I need to, I need to tie that idea to this idea over here so now they're no longer 
longer comfortable with this idea. It's called jamming, okay? Um, it can be used for good things. Um, it's it, like I'm comfortable wearing Nike clothes. I'm uncomfortable with sweatshops in China. So one guy came up with the idea that what I need to do is I need to jam the Nike swoosh and sweatshops together. And he did it and he repeat, 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 loud, 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 on and on and on. The idea is if I say it loud enough, if I say it often enough, and if I commit to it long enough, that eventually people will start to tie this to this. And now when you think of Nike, or at least in the 80s and 90s when you thought of Nike, you thought of sweatshops in China, if you were alive then, right? Because they jammed the two together. In this particular case, they were right. Nike was pretending to be this great cultural warrior and had sweatshops in China, kind of like the NBA right now. All their dealings in China but, and all their obsessions with human rights here, but their blind eyes over there, right? Like, it's, it's just like that. And so, so Nike was operating like that. So what they want to do is they want to jam things together. Now, they jammed the idea of churches and Christians with abuse of power Secretly, they're evil, BDSM in the basement, hypocrites, all this gear. They jam that on TV, and they've also been coming after not just the uh, church, not just the institution, but also the beliefs of the church, and they're coming after the beliefs of the Word of God by jamming previously acceptable ideas and beliefs with completely unacceptable ideas and beliefs. Let me tell you what I mean. So a classic example would be something like marriage, that for the last thousands and thousands of years, if you believe the earth is millions of years old, then fine, for the last millions and millions of years, either way, we've always believed that marriage and relationships are between men and women, uh, and we all believe that up until the end of Obama's first term. Obama believed that, but magically when he needed votes from a different audience, all of a sudden, apparently, he was wrong, and then he changed his mind. <clears throat> and, so, and so right up to that moment, everybody believed the same thing, right? Right? Now, now, it was an acceptable, previously commonly understood idea that men marry women and women marry men. Now, what we need to do, though, to make it so that nobody says that anymore, we need to jam that with another idea. All right? The other idea is that you are homophobic, that you are a bigot. And do you know who else is homophobic and bigot? Nazis are. Are you a Nazi? And you hear that on and 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 on. And then all of a sudden, these previously acceptable ideas are now associated with these unacceptable ideas. So nobody wants to talk about this for fear of being called that. It's called jamming, okay? You see what we're doing, right? And so people are like, well, I, 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 I'm not a, I, I'm, you know, Nazis don't support Black Lives Matter. Are you a Nazi? Nazis uh, are, are racist. Uh, are you a Nazi racist? You know what I mean? Like, like Nazis don't support CRT. Are you a Nazi? Nazis don't support gay marriage. Are you a Nazi? Fascists control women's bodies. Are you a totalitarian fascist? Haters don't support trans rights. Jesus is all about love. Don't you love like Jesus? Do you hate? Are you a Nazi? And so they, they, they jam ideas together, and then we start to get uncomfortable with what we were previously comfortable with. Yeah, see what I'm talking about, right? And so what would happen was, when a preacher would get up to talk about Genesis chapter 5, we would start at verse 4. <laughs> because I, I don't want to have to say male and female again. You know, you see what I'm saying, right? 
or so when we're rolling through Romans or Corinthians and Paul's talking about sexual adultery or when Paul, we, we, I don't want to talk about that so we skip over the verse, yada, 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 A, B, and C, and then God said, right? And so, or, 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 or what also happens, maybe some people are like, well, I have to talk about it. That's how they would introduce it. They'd apologize for the word of God. Hey, I'm sorry what this says. I'm sorry what it says at the start of Genesis chapter 5. I wish it didn't say it. I wish I didn't have to say this. I wish it wasn't there. Because we've been jammed. What was previously acceptable is now tied to something that's unacceptable. So we're apologizing about the fact that it's even in there. See what I'm saying? Now, um, I made a commitment not to do that anymore. I made a commitment to God that that particularly, and then especially as I'm rolling through a book, that I'm not going to skip the hard bits because I want to emphasize what God emphasizes. And I want to repeat what God repeats. And if I didn't mention this particular passage again, you wouldn't understand how uncomfortably common God's opinion is on this. But we want to know God's opinions on stuff. So I've been getting unjammed and I'm not sorry that I believe in God's word, okay? And, And I'm not sorry that I love you enough to preach the whole thing. And I'm not sorry... For anything that the Bible says, all right? I'm sorry you've been lied to. I'm sorry that, it, uh, that, 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 that's, that you've been tricked into believing that the, the, that the truth is not good, but I'm not sorry for what it says, all right? If I'm sorry about anything, I'm sorry I used to skip it. I'm sorry I didn't love you enough to preach it all. I'm sorry I used to care more about being loved than actually loving properly. I'm sorry I cared more about being loved by people than helping people. I'm sorry I cared more about the world's opinion than God's opinion, but I'm not sorry for the Bible. It's beautiful, and it is useful, and it is still relevant, and it is still good. Amen. So in just the first five chapters, if leading into this sermon, God repeats something again that seems so painfully obvious, I'm going to repeat it again. And in just those first five chapters, God mentions gender, male, female, family, on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. Now, I want to encourage you before you're like, perhaps you should share a whole message on this. I'm not going to, not because I don't want to, but be, and not because I'm scared to, but because I have and I can direct you to our Hot Topic sermon series from October last year, and you can get a full sermon on that but I do want to talk about not not the issue but conforming to the world's opinion on these issues okay now why did God put this in it though like why in Genesis chapter 5 after having nailed this a number of times already why did God put it back in there again in Genesis chapter 5 well number one this is where we begin to see the multiplication that God commanded us to unfold right in Genesis this is the first time we see you know this person gave birth to that person and that person and that person and that person right what was God's first command after he created us he said hey be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it right and so so Genesis chapter 5 is where we we read about that uh, that 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 command unfolding in God's creation 
okay? So, so God said, be fruitful and multiply. And as that's unfolding at the start of that, God reminds us, and this is the vehicle with which that is supposed to happen. A man and a woman, a man shall leave his mother and father, be united to his wife, the two shall become one flesh, and they'll be a family, right? This is the vehicle with which that is supposed to happen. God reminds us. Then second as well, this is also the lineage, I'm sorry, this is also the story of the earth unfolding, leading up to how the earth has become so completely depraved and so completely corrupt that God had to, that God got to the point where he regretted making mankind and floods the earth but saves Noah. And so leading up to that, God reminds us at the start that the way that I planned it, the way that I designed it, the way that the rhythms and the patterns that I created are better. Though this happens over here. Now, now, now that's interesting too because a lot of people will then be like, well, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Like, like, you know, like, was it because gay people this? Or, no, no, no. So far, they've got nothing to do with the destruction of mankind. So far, they've got nothing to do with the destruction of family and marriage values. Do you know that? Like, man, as Christians, we can get on gay people a little bit and be like, man, ruining marriage. Listen, it wasn't gay people that ruined marriage. It was good old-fashioned adultery. Come on. That's what it was. Something all y'all are capable of. Ruined marriage. Lamech, the first guy to depart from God's plan for marriage. It wasn't Lamech and Steve. It was Lamech and two women. Come on now. Now, I'm not at all for a moment saying gay marriage is not seen. It absolutely is, for sure. And sexual perversion of all kinds of natures ruins families, ruins society, and offends God. But let's be equal in who's to blame. Good old-fashioned lust and adultery wanting more than God gave me is what destroyed marriage and family. Come on now. But... Again, in a world that wants to affirm it. If I lived in Utah, I would be just as strong about one man and one woman. Hello, all right? Because I'm not going to let culture determine what is or is not okay to preach and say. We're going to go back to the Word of God, okay? And so, right here, in the beginning of the story, before all this ungodliness and sexual perversion uh, from the other Lamech, not the Lamech we'll talk about today, but from the other Lamech starts to unfold, and also the sexual perversion where um, mankind starts rolling around with other species, hello, (laughs) begins to unfold. God reminds us, this is how I planned it. This is the way. If you, if you live your life according to my patterns, if you live your life according to my design, it will be better. Right. Amen. So he reminds us, I created male and female. I blessed them. I commanded them to multiply. And then they had kids. Now, now what I found interesting here is uh, on Thursday, I, 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 I used a, a scripture, Romans 12. And, and then as I was preparing my message, I was like, wow, this really fits in with what Uh, Genesis 5 is showing us. And in Romans 12, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God, His good and acceptable and perfect will. 
Now, now, listen, here's, here's, what, here's when I read that, and, I, and in the context of Genesis chapter 5, I'm discovering that if, if, you, if you don't want to live your life according to God's plans and God's will and God's design and God's patterns, you are going to live in confusion, and it will be hard to determine what is right and what is wrong. It will be hard to determine what God's will is for your life when you don't have a desire to live according to the patterns that God designed and planned for your life. And so choices like, should I start a business? is that God's will is very difficult choices like how do I handle the relationship with my kids school where should I send my kids to school should I stay home and work in the home um, or pursue a career is this the right man to marry is this the right woman to marry God what is your will all of those questions all of those uh, almost daily uh, or very common kind of uh, things that you're trying to discern become very confusing and very difficult when there's not a desire in your heart to conform to the pattern of God instead of the patterns of the world. <clears throat> and so do not conform to the patterns of this world or you will live in confusion. You can't live for the world and expect clarity in your life and clarity in your heart. Amen. Amen. And so the first point I'm going to make today is resist conformity. Resist conformity. Just go to the word. To just go to the word of, resist conformity and go to the word of God. Trust in the patterns that God created. Trust me when I tell you this. Don't trust me, trust the word. When I tell you this, listen, God's way is better. It's not always easier, but God's way is better. It will bless your life. Come on now. It'll bless your relationships. I want to give you an example just to illustrate what I mean by conforming to the patterns of this world. This is just one way. There's many ways you could conform to the patterns of this world by loving money more than your wife, by loving money more than your husband, by loving money more than your kids. You could conform to the patterns of this world by working all the time and never spending time with your kids. Uh, just more work, more work, more work. That's conforming to the patterns of this world, whereas the patterns that God created, there's some time off to rest, to spend time with family, to spend time with God, and to appreciate what God has given you and done in your life, right? So there are other ways to conform to the patterns of this world. But one way that's really strong right now is this she, her, he, him, zai, 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 them business, right? That would just be one uh, example that everybody can relate to, all right? And so I want to tell you, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform. I got a friend, he got an email at the end and said she, her, and he's like, I know, you're a lady, right? I want to encourage you, don't use gender pronouns in your bio or your emails. Don't do it. Conforming to a narrative that these things aren't clear. You may think it does nothing. It's conforming to a narrative that it needs to be said. It does not need to be said. Now, now, now I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that because I hate people. I don't, all right? Let me tell you the thing. I, I, I can't call Steve Wonder. Not because I hate Steve, but because I love Steve. I can't call Steve Wonder, not because I'm a fascist, not because I'm old school, no, 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 but because I believe that who God says Steve is is better than who Steve says he is. And I love Steve enough to tell him that God's way is better. That God did not mess up when he made you. That he did not make male, female, and oops, Steve. But that he made you intentionally, fearfully, and wonderfully. You may be more soft than other Steves, 
but you're still Steve. You may not like to hunt like the other Steves, but you're still Steve. You may like to wear pink like Jesse does, but you're still a guy. I can't call Steve Wonder not because I hate Steve and not because I don't love my neighbor, but because I do. And God's way is better. And though the world has jammed me to believe that I'm a fascist Nazi jerk, I love Steve enough to handle that label. Can I ask you a bold question? And I apologize if this seems off, uh, off color, off putting, but I want to illustrate uh, this for you. Um, can we have a photo on the screen? Is this chick fat? She thinks she is. Even what she's saying isn't fat. But she thinks she's morbidly obese and disgusting. Is she disgusting? Should I tell her to get liposuction? Should I call her fat? Should I say to her, no, 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 those pants don't make your butt look fat. Your butt makes those pants look fat. Should I say that to her? No, 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 no. why? Why? Why not? Why should I not encourage her to mutilate herself, to run another 100 miles, to only eat five more calories a day, to vomit those up when you're done, to go get liposuction? Why should I not? Because she says she's fat. <clears throat> no, no, if I tell her you're actually healthy and skinny, or actually, honestly, you could probably put some weight on. If I tell her you get in liposuction, could really damage or end your life, am I a bigot for telling her what to do with her body? <clears throat> what harm does it do to me to tell her that she's obese? Does it make me obese? Does it make me anorexic? Does it change my life at all to tell her she's obese? <clears throat> No, it really doesn't harm me, but it does harm me in that I'm telling a lie. The truth matters or it doesn't matter. It always matters or it never matters. But it harms her. More than it harms, it harms her. Because I'm lying to her and I'm encouraging her to mutilate herself. Why is gender dysphoria so much more special than anorexia? Why is that lie okay, but this one's not? They both think they're biologically something they're not. Look, I won't use preferred pronouns or call Steve Wonder for the same reason I won't call an anorexic chick fat. It's a lie. It's against the truth. It attacks God's design and God's intention. And we need to stand firm. And we need to love people more than we want to be loved ourselves. And so often... This fake love that we give the world where we're like, you know what? Yeah, you're fat. Because <laughs> that's what we're doing to people with gender dysphoria. Yep. Yes, you're a girl. Yes, sir, you're a girl. I'm saying that not because I believe it. Not because I love them. But because it's the best way that I'll be loved back. Wow. And that's not love. We all read and love at every wedding. 1 Corinthians 13 or 2 Corinthians 13. Corinthians 13. <laughs> That's what I did in the other services. I just said Corinthians so I didn't look like an uneducated, foolish pastor. Anyway, 
What does it say? Love. Does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it is not this, yada, yada, yada. And we love that scripture, but we skip over love rejoices in the truth. <clears throat> Come on, real love's going to care. Real love's going to rejoice in the truth. Real love's not going to, real love's not there trying to say whatever's going to get me loved back, but whatever's going to love you right. That's love. Can I get an amen? Amen. James, speaking to a church that was tempted to accept worldliness so that they would be accepted by the world, loved by the world, James says, hey, instead of that, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Instead of that, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. He's saying, don't don't be like the world. And it wasn't just about sexual ethics. It was in a many number of ways. It was the way we treat each other, nasty to each other, not forgiving each other, being like gossiping about each other, uh, accepting worldly practices. And he's like, hey, submit to yourselves to God. When When I think about Genesis 5, it's, hey, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but submit yourselves to God's plans, God's word, God's designs. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can I get an amen? If you're new, I'm looking at the timer. You want point two? Okay, if you do that, if you do what I just said, you're gonna get some shade. If you love people, right, not love them to be loved back, but if you love people right, you're gonna get shade. People are gonna say things. People are going to label you things. All that jamming, well, the world believes it. So now you're a Nazi in their eyes. Well, now you're a bigot. Well, now you're a homophobe. Well, now you're this. Well, now you're that. Listen, listen, they're going to say things. Personally, I believe that God's way is better and God's way will win. You know, I, I think enough Christians are finally waking up to the idea that we, we got to stop this fake love and do this real love thing. I, I think a lot of Christians, a lot of pastors are waking up to that because we realize we sat down and shut up like they told us and the world went to hell in a handbasket and all of a sudden we're like, oopsie daisy. We should speak up again. So people are speaking up. I think we're going to win. I think a lot of this crazy stuff, even in Europe, they're seeing some of it because they were ahead of us in ungodliness and they're starting to, uh, they're starting to come back around. We're going to come back around too, but it's going to take you speaking up, all right? But here's the thing. They're going to say things about you. They're going to label you and, and you need to resist the lies and the labels. You need to resist it, all right? And you need to resist owning it. Sometimes we own it, we put it on. We're like, well, I'm nasty, so I'm going to be nasty. I'm nasty, so I'm going to be nasty. I'm a bigot, so I'm going to act like a bigot. Which, by the way, I am a bigot if you go by the original sense of what the word meant when it meant at the start. I am that, but not the modern sense of it. Just FYI. (laughs) It comes from meaning by God and stubbornly committed to the ways of God. (laughs) Well, hello. That's me. (laughs) But anyway, what was I even talking about? Resist the lies. Resist the labels. Don't live down to what they say. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we can. And we live down to it and we start start looking for people to attack instead of just speaking. I, 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 I only really engage people who engaged me personally when it comes to these arguments. Other than that, I want to keep it broad. I'm going to talk about the group. I'm going to talk about the ideology, right? Rather than trying to find someone and being like, 
You, individual, are this. I'm, no, I'm going to be like, I love you. I'm going to love you when you hate me. I don't even care, all right? I'm not going to live down to the labels. I'm not going to live down to the lies. I'm not going to own this. And then on, on the other side of that, I'm not going to carry the weight of what they've called me. I'm not going to carry the weight that I'm a bigot because I, because I love people. I'm not going to carry the weight that I'm a Nazi because I, I don't want to mutilate kids. I'm, I'm not going to carry the weight that, 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 that I'm a nasty person, that I'm a bad person because I won't call anorexic chicks fat. I'm not going to carry that. No, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to shield me from that and to take that off me. I don't want to carry that weight. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> I'm not going to carry the weight. Now, mind you, maybe you're carrying other weights. Maybe it's not even about this maybe, or even about what you believe, but just who you are and what you've done and who your family is, right? Just carrying those labels. Well, Lamech fathered Noah. Now, Lamech was a good man. Noah was a good man. The last good man. His dad was a good man. Do you know what his name means? Mock God. Lamok, mock God in the Hebrew. It means, it actually even means further, mock God's word. That was his name. Now, well, that was just his name. He was a good guy. Well, let's think about the other guy who was probably alive around the same time, the other Lamech, all right? Well, that other Lamech did mock God. That guy was the one that perverted marriage that perverted sexual relationships. He's the guy that killed a guy and boasted about it and promised to never forgive and to always revenge. That guy, this guy had the same name. So his name was Mock God and so was the reputation. And yet he was a good man. Hey, trust me, I've got eight brothers and sisters. I know what it's like to roll up into a place with a reputation before you get there. All right. Anyone else have older siblings that went to school with you? Yeah, not helpful. Right. So I had older ones. And when I got to school, when I got to high school, man, the terror that landed on the teachers' faces when they called out that name call and they asked, Oh, Newman, are you related to Joel? It's like, Yep. Oh. Are you related to Jackie as well? Yep, oh, the terror. Trust me, I know what it's like to have people get there. Teachers hated me because they hated my brother. And they hated him because they hated our sister. All right? Like, I know, but here's the thing. You're not who the world says you are. It doesn't matter what your name is. doesn't matter what your reputation is. You get to choose, will I honor God or not? Will I live up, not down? Will I live up to the call of God on my life, the ways of God, the plans of God, the word of God, the, the patterns of God? Or am I going to live down to what they say I am? Resist the lies and the labels. And now with six minutes left, I got the last point. This one I can do in six minutes. This one... Listen to this. This is for a lot of you in here. Resist the need to change the world. Now, service is not over, but I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you leave, I'm going to write your name down. 
and I'm going to come to your workplace this week and walk in and out the door while you're in a meeting just to show you what it feels like. Someone write down Rachel Ward. All right, she's coming up to play keys, all right? So. Now, the last point is this. Resist the need to change the world. I started with the patterns of God. <clears throat> then we rolled into the end, Lamech and Noah. But in the middle, resist the need to change the world. Everybody wants to be a world changer, right? Like, man, we had these preachers come to church, prophets, all sorts of guys, full of the Holy Ghost, prophesying over everybody. Everybody wants a word, right? If you don't get a word, you grab the preacher afterwards. You got a word for me? And they're like, yeah, I preached it. <laughs> when you, if you're gonna come to me after church ever and tell me I've got a word for you, I'm not gonna pretend I do and give you a fake one that could change your life. So instead, I'm gonna be like, go back and watch the podcast because that's the word that I prayed about before I got here. But everybody wants to be told, you're going to be a world changer. And the preachers come in and they get you and they're like, world changer. And everybody's going to be a missionary. And, 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 but it's just not true for most of you. Most of you aren't going to change the world. How encouraging is this? You're going to die and you're probably not going to change the world. <laughs> Go to Numbers for a second. Okay, Numbers, here we go. Now, li listen, I want to read something to you from Numbers, all right? My little booklet in here. Okay. All right. I should have marked this in my Bible, but thankfully I may not know whether it's 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, but I do know where this is. Okay. I'm going to read you some names. Um, honestly, I'm not good at figuring out how to say these people's names, okay? That's not true. I'm just going to say it the Australian way, all right? <laughs> the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness and said, take a census, all right? And then so they take a name, they take a census and they list everybody, right? And they say this, from Reuben, Elizabeth, the son of Shudder, from Simeon to Shemuel, the son of Zephshadji. From Judah, Nashon, the son of Abimadad. I got that one. From Isaac, Nathaniel, son of Zur, Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Helan. Sons of Joseph, Nephram, Elishama. Sons of Imahud, uh, Manasseh, Gedemiel, uh, Pedahuzer, from Benjamin, Adiban, son of Gideoni, from Dan. Ahizir, son of Amishashadai, from Asher. Um, Pigel, son of Okram, from Gad. Elizias, son of Duel, from Naphtali. Ahira, son of Enan. Uh, these are the ones who were chosen. Moses took Aaron, right? And they go through it. And that, that, they just name, name, after name, after name, after name. And then, the, and then you go into like different books of the Bible and you just hear, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, the sons of Korah, Asher, Alamon, you know, the clans of Kurites. Eliezer's sons took his wife. They had kids. And on and on and on it goes. And we see all these people, right? And so we, we can read the word of God and it's like, Robbie begat Bobby, begat Billy Bob, who begat Bobby Bill, who begat Steve, who begat Joe, who begat Jenny, who begat 
Lauren, who begat, who begat, who begat, which just means fathered or mothered and they had kids. And, and the whole Bible is just full of all these names and nobody wants to be begat. When we read Genesis chapter five, right? <clears throat> it's Seth lived this long, had this kid and he died. Enosh lived this long, had this kid and he died. Kenan lived this long, begat this kid and he died. Mahaliel had, lived this long, had this kid and he died. When Jared lived this long, he fathered this kid, he begat this kid and he died. And Enoch didn't die. And, and, then, and then back to Lamech had this kid and he died. And then, then, then Noah had these kids and he died. And, and everybody wants the story to stop for like five chapters to talk about you and your life. But realistically, in 150 years, no one's probably going to say your name. You're going to die, and that's it. And everyone's so consumed with trying to change the world. And we spend so much time trying to please a world that won't even remember our name in 150 years. When I'd rather be like Enoch and just walk with God. And Enoch, you're like, and Enoch got more. Not really. It just said, and he didn't die. It was different, but that's it. Everybody wants the book to stop for you. I hate to tell you this. There's hardly any world changes in the room. And you're all going to die. So use what you've got to honor the one who you'll actually be with in 150 years, who will know your name, who will remember what you did, who will know where you live. Use your time to steward that. Use your time for him, amen? Oh, the world's gonna forget us. You know, Alan begat Bernie. And Bernie begat Jesse. But you know, Alan, no one's talking about him anymore. Only me and a couple of descendants. And in about 30 years, no one will ever hear about Alan Newman again other than he begat Bernie. And that's it. Do you even realize that none of us would even be here without all the begats? Seems like a pretty important thing to do is just begat. You know what begat is? It's honoring God's first command. Just live a fruitful life and multiply. That's it. Stop trying to change the world and just be a steward of what God's already given you. Be fruitful and multiply. You may be here and you're like, I'm too old to multiply. <laughs> multiply the values the beliefs and the passion that God's put in you in somebody else. Can I get an amen? You're probably not going to change the world, but you could change your life by loving people proper, by loving people more than you want them to love you back. You're not going to change the world, but you could change your life. And then the next week you could change another one. And then in 150 years, no one will know your name, but God will. And he's the one you'll be with in 150 years anyway. Amen.
So I'm going to pray for people after this wildly encouraging sermon. (laughs) I'm going to pray for people. All right. In about two minutes, I'm going to just say, I'm going to let everyone go. Not that I'm in charge of whether you can leave or not. But in two minutes, we're going to close the service officially. We're going to sing our way out. You can stay and worship, but I'm going to be praying for people down the front. And here's who I'm going to pray for. I was talking to my wife last night and we particularly felt like there could even be some women in the room who need to make peace with Begat. And and I'm not saying that because y'all women need to stay home. That's not what I'm saying. You you go to work, you can stay home, you do your boo-boo, just make sure whatever you guys do as a family, your family's on board. That's it. But there are naturally due to the desires that God did intentionally put in a woman's heart, more women stay home and stay home moms than men. And with that role can come some, I feel like I'm nothing but a begat. And I want to remind you that without begat, none of us would be here. So thank you for taking care of the most important thing, being fruitful, multiplying, but multiplying your values, your passions, and your heart and your beliefs in those people. There is value in begat. Maybe some of you will change the world, women, men, kids, but none of you will change the world until you become happy with begat first. Be happy with what you have and perhaps you'll be given more, but begat matters most. Amen cool so I want to pray for people who have maybe been striving for recognition from a world that won't even remember them come down the front for prayer in a moment I want to pray for people who have been feeling pressure to conform to sit down and shut up I want to pray for you that God would strengthen your heart and your soul and give you the wisdom and the strength to stand up and speak up and I also want to pray for people who are carrying the weight of the lies and the labels. Some of you have been living down. I want to pray you'll live up to God's calling. Some of you have been carrying the weight of the pain, the hurt of being called those things. You're not those things. You love people. You love God. You love His Word. And you want to help people see it. So I want to pray for you. But I want to pray for anyone else as well. Anyone at all. Anyone. For any other reasons. Maybe marriage, finances, health, whatever. But specifically those people. So right now, if that's you, come down the front. If you need prayer right now, just walk down the front. For any number of those reasons at all, just walk on down the front. You need prayer for strength to keep going, to find, to find freedom in begat, to find peace in begat, to find strength to stand firm, to shed the lies, to shed the labels, to shed the rebuke, to shed the family reputation. I want to pray for you. Come on down. There's more of you. Come on down. Come to the middle. There's more people. It's all good. Come on down. Come on down. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.